Hello and welcome to the Hopkins Biotech Podcast, where we illuminate life science career opportunities outside of academia through the experiences of those who have been there before. For updates about upcoming guests, follow us on social media at Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter, and visit us at hopkinsbiotechpodcast.com to check out our mission and full catalog of episodes. My name is Jenna Glatzer, and I'm joined here by my co-host. Hi, I'm Roshan Chickermain. Our guest today is Dr. Nick Edwards, currently a senior manager of Channel Insights and Strategy at Illumina, which is an American public biotech company founded in 1998 based out of San Diego. Along with government investment, Illumina, which develops and manufactures a wide array of next-generation sequencing technologies, is largely credited with helping bring down the cost of sequencing the human genome to $1,000. For reference, back in the early 2000s, it used to be over a million. Prior to joining Illumina, Nick worked as a consultant for Boston Consulting Group. He completed his PhD in neuroscience through a joint program with the NIH at Brown and Brown University, where he studied the role of specific receptors in response to cocaine. He also completed a postdoc at the University of California, San Diego. Nick is also the creator and host of the Once a Scientist podcast, where he interviews scientists from a broad range of backgrounds as a resource for young scientists to learn about the different careers available to them. Nick, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to, to chat with you. Yeah. So just to start, can you tell us a little bit about what your current role is at Illumina? Yeah. So um, I actually now work in our global sales operations group. Uh, the, I think my LinkedIn profile is a little outdated there, but um, I basically, uh, I work within our sales organization and um, it's it's kind of a blend of different things. And so um, it's basically helping to make our sales organization uh, operate more efficiently. And so uh, I, I you know, help build out tools and um, things for salespeople to build and set strategies, um, have, have you know, worked on route to market strategies, which is like, you know, how, how do we um, figure out how like w- how we sell things across different markets across the world uh so i work on things like that um you know it's been a great opportunity and loom is just a, an awesome company to work for cool so backing up a bit um can you share with us how you first got interested in science um and then eventually in consulting um and business strategy yeah <laughs> well uh yeah so it's been a little while and uh, um, I was actually, so I did a pre-medicine magnet program in high school and um, I remember I, I took those classes. I, I did that program because I had tested well. Like I didn't really have great grades in high school um, because I didn't um, study, I guess is one way to put it. And, uh, uh, but, I, but I had you know, fairly good test scores. And so my parents, um, they were like, well, you have to, you need, you should do this magnet program, this medicine thing. And I was like, no, not, not super interested. I just wanted to, to surf. And, um, and so I ended up just getting in and um, I went to this high school where we studied, you know, all different, you know, anatomy and physiology. Um, I remember there was a section in the physiology class about neuroscience and we started learning about like ion channels and, and nurse potentials and, and all these, you know, complex calculations of biophysics. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is like the, literally the most boring thing I can think of. And, uh, <laughs> and, and it's funny, you know, now, cause I'm a neuroscientist, but like that really turned me actually away from, uh, it turned me away from medicine and, and science for a while. Um, so 
I wasn't planning to go to college after I finished high school. I didn't really have a lot of plans at the time. Um, ended up kind of like finding my way into community college um, and and actually did pretty well. Got a scholarship to a university. Um, did did well there. Like, but I but I was studying English literature. And one day, uh, I actually it's funny. I I, I took a um, I took an internship over the summer at a law office and uh, I was working on this murder case and it was like shocking to me. And I was like, and, and, and that like was a gut reaction. I was like, okay, I'm not going to do law. Maybe I'll go back to science. <laughs> so um, I took organic chemistry, really liked that class, which is like a little bit sadistic. Um, and, and then uh, I volunteered in the lab and realized like, I just really liked the, I, I like problem solving and I, and I like the process of science. Um, and so at that point, like my senior year of, of college, I switched majors, went to neuroscience and just went full bore in like a year, year and a half, a year and a half, I think, um, went straight through to grad school. Um, and, you know, I've, have been doing the science thing since then, or did at least for a long time. And now I kind of mixed in the business piece, but I still very much consider myself a scientist. So why neuroscience? Cause you, had you had mentioned you learned about nerds potentials, maybe um, not too excited about that. You were good at organic chemistry, which is actually kind of surprising because even a lot of scientists um, are not a big fan of organic chemistry. Um, and then you came back to neuroscience. So why why neuroscience? Yeah, that's a great question. So it's really for a, a personal reason. Um, I have always been very much passionate about um mental health and uh because i've had some very close members of my family uh um go through mental health issues and and, and seen it from a first-hand perspective and realized like very early at a very early age that uh a lot of the treatments and the things that we have have been discovered by accident and uh, we still don't understand these these illnesses in large part and it was uh i i remember actually telling myself one day when I was younger, like, I want, I'm going to figure out how to like solve this. Like, you know, super naive. I was like, I was probably like eight years old. And, um, and that's always been a big driving factor for me. It still is. Um, and so, uh, I, I think that, um, we're seeing a lot of revolution in neuroscience and the way that we think about mental health and, and reducing some of the stigma, but there's still a long way to go. And I, and, uh, you know, that's still something that I'm interested in the future. Yeah. I, I relate to that really hard. It's one of the reasons I, I think I stay with neuroscience and also got into it. So hearing you talk about that, you know, so publicly and also on your podcast, it, it means a lot. And it is something that, you know, is completely worthy of study and is important. And we need people to stick with it in one way or another. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's really important, I think, to to always remember that aspect of of the long pull. Why do we why do we do science in the first place? Why is it valuable? It's it's to ultimately help people, right? I think so. I mean, I, I think that there's also like really the element of just like going in to discover something for the sake of like having more knowledge of how the universe works because that's super important. Like a lot of the biggest discoveries, a lot of the you know a lot of, a lot of industry and a lot of like health breakthroughs really happen just by things on accident. You know. Um, like in order to get PCR, which is this like huge, hugely useful thing, not only within science, but in, in, but in industry for diagnosing diseases, like someone had to figure out that this certain like protein in some like extremophile bacteria can, uh, can 
withstand, you know, can, can perform DNA replication at whatever temperature, right? Um, and, and so that's not really a, an applied uh, effort. It just is a result of very basic questions. So I think you, you definitely need both. But like, to me, that's a driving factor for sure. It's like the clinical piece of it. And so then you decided to do your PhD in this joint program. So what what was that experience like? Because I, I think this is still around, actually, this joint NIH uh, partnership with multiple graduate schools. Yeah, yeah, it still is. And it's a really awesome program. So um, I interviewed at a bunch of places and had a few you know, opportunities to um, for, for grad school. And um, there were, it, was a, it was a difficult decision because I really like felt like Different, a couple of different programs really resonated with me. Um, Brown is like is a small school, um, and but they have this incredible neuroscience history. Um, that it's a really collegial uh, place, and uh, so I really enjoyed that. But like um, even more, the big draw for me was working at the NIH because um, I didn't know what I wanted to study. Actually, when I went into neuroscience as a graduate student, I was thinking like, oh, I was, I was going to either do some sort of circuit neuroscience because like these big breakthroughs in neuroscience were happening with optogenetics and, and, um, and I was really excited about those types of things. But I was also thinking like, well, maybe like, uh, some sort of imaging and working with human patients. And I had no idea, but like, I just knew that I wanted to have some sort of health connection and, so the NIH, like having this graduate program where there's like 150 neuroscience labs there, um, it was a really exciting opportunity for me. And I know you touched on this in your podcast a little bit, but I'm curious if you could talk about how your process of choosing a thesis project went, because it was something when I listened, I was like, oh, wow, I see a lot of myself and it there's a lot of cognitive dissonance, I think, when you go to grad school where people are like, oh, you're so smart. You're going to figure it out. You, you've got this. Like, you got this far, so you're, you're going to nail it, right? And then internally, you're, you know, going through trial after trial after trial that maybe doesn't always work out. And so I'm wondering if you could, you know, also share your experience with us. Yeah. <laughs> it's a loaded question. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's, yeah. it's a great question. I, I, I'm happy to share it. Uh, so... When I first started at the NIH, I um, I was doing like a collaborative project between a couple labs, and and uh, just nothing worked. Um, and and when things worked, they didn't reproduce. And um, and I ended up kind of going from one project to another uh, for about I think it was it was two and a half or three years. And um, at the end of that. I had all these ideas and I was still super excited about it, but I was also like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> I couldn't get anything to work. And, um, and it seemed like everyone else was making progress and publishing papers. And I didn't have a single paper. I wasn't even a co-author on a paper. Um, and so I was, so, uh, I was pretty nervous about what was going to happen in the future. And um, around that same time, I, pitched an idea to my uh, thesis advisor and my thesis advisor um, said, this is a great idea. Let's, let's talk about it some more. And we sat down in his, in, in his office the next day and he, he said, uh, Nick, you need to kind of consider uh, if this is the right path for you. Uh, and and uh, it was a shock to me, but also like I understood where he was coming from and it was actually 
really important advice that that um, changed the direction of of my career because um, I but like but like I walked away from that and I was like oh I'm getting kicked out of grad school and like uh, this is just not going to work and so so I thought. I have no career path. What's out there? So I started like looking on websites and you know, seeing like what do scientists or what do what do people that like don't finish a PhD? What do they? What do I even do? And I had like a, a, a kid and I was I was married, um, so it was pretty scary. And um, as I was kind of going through that process of looking around at different opportunities, things actually I I, I made a kind of a decision at that point like no I'm gonna finish this and and like. If other people can do it, I can do it. And that was like, it, it's stupid and as simple as it sounds, like it really made a big difference. And, um, and so I decided, okay, I'm gonna focus on this one technique where I'm gonna get really good at it. And uh, I can do a bunch of experiments in, in a week. And, and I, I went crazy hard and, and worked like 14 hours a day. Uh, it worked too much at the time. Um, and, and uh, but, but like, everything came together in a year, year and a, like year and a half, actually. Um, and within the year and a half, I'd basically gotten all the, all the um, results for my dissertation and was getting ready to publish and um, things actually ended up like pretty well. So, you know, that's, this is all to say, like if, if any grad students or postdocs are listening, I mean, I, obviously I, you, nobody can guarantee you that things are going to work out. Um, but if you work, I think if you work hard and you like, and, and you set your mind to something, like eventually things will come together and it may not be exactly what you want, but um, it's, it's worth like putting every, uh, as much as you can into something, um, you know, within the realistic constraints of like, what, what's your life situation like? Like, you know, sometimes people are just not able to, to put that many hours into things. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think you raised a really interesting point of like having this inherent desire of like, okay, I, I don't want to give up on something versus like, okay, I need to clarify my views, number one, and clarify like the scope of what I'm working on, which is definitely a conversation I've also had with my boss. So I, I really, but it's, it's that. And on top of that, okay, when do I sincerely need to think about pivoting in a different direction? And other than you know this conversation you had with your PI, was there any any other sort of factor that you felt sort of helped you decide on this is the right path forward versus okay maybe I should you know try this one more thing or I just need to try this next thing? Like how do you how do you reconcile that feeling? Yeah, the the thing that made a big difference for me was um, I was working in a fairly large lab and. Um, I found a couple people, uh, postdocs in the lab that um, would were willing to mentor me and like actually kind of spend time to um, help teach me the um, the technical skills, but also like really um, would just like bounce ideas. Uh, we would bounce ideas off of each other, and we were like working right across from each other all day, and that made like such a big difference. And that was kind of like the the tipping point that made grad school work for me, um, because I, I had I had kind of been trying things on my own and, and doing projects that were big and you know like lofty, huge. If they worked out, they would be awesome, but they didn't work out, and um, and and I and I kind of needed that that like, hands on. So that was one thing. Is like. I just started getting traction and, and, uh, 
then once that traction happened, it was like, oh, well, I didn't need to think about other opportunities because it was like, well, you'll just keep going down this path, you know, until something else happens. <laughs> but um, but the other the other things, you know, I think that it's 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 just important to me. Um, the best advice I, I often give when I like have coached grad students to get into consulting or whatever it is, um, is just find a direction and, and go after that direction. Like don't, don't run away from something. Don't run away from graduate school because like life does not get easier when you leave necessarily. Uh, all careers are, are difficult. Everything is difficult as much as like, is your, if you're, if you're in a PhD program, you're probably somewhat competitive or somewhat like, you know, somewhat smart. And so um, there's a lot of career options that are out there. None of them are necessarily easy to go into and neither is academia. And so like, you just need to kind of map like your interests against what the, the skills and the opportunities you would have in different career paths and then say, okay, this is the one that, that fits me and, and really like, push for that. And, and uh, otherwise, I, what, I, what I've seen sometimes is that people will just be like, well, science is hard. And, and, then, and then it's like, they don't know what to do because um, they're running away from something and they don't really have any directionality. You know, does that make sense? That, that's so good. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. If you're, if you're, that's a really interesting idea, um, moving towards things versus running away from things. Because um, like you said, if you detach yourself from something else, um, what's the next thing? You don't necessarily know. But if you're if you have some sort of goal uh, to move towards, um, you can do that. You know what the steps are. It's a little bit more concrete. The process of getting there. Yeah, absolutely. And and then you know, like once you figure that out, then it's exactly like you're saying. It's just it's mechanics, and mechanics are easy to figure out. Like as as long as you can, you know, like as long as you put enough time into it, and as long as you find good resources, um, that's that's really. The, the easy thing the hard part is figuring out like what what do I really care about and like what are you know what's what are the things that are really valuable to me and then like what are the options that are available like you know sometimes you have to you have to say like is this path that I'm on is it still really an option um and and like face that fact too and that's not to, you know because I I know that academia is it, it's very competitive and uh um and it, and it could be challenging, but like, and, and so I think that, you know, it's, it's important to, to realize that and to be aware of like what else is out there. So what made you decide to go on to a postdoc? Were you planning to stay the traditional academia route or were you sort of just at that next phase of this seems like the logical step? And Yeah, originally actually I went into academia because I wanted to teach. And then, and then like, you know, I think that, I don't know if this resonates with, I think this, I, I know I've had conversations with people. I know it's resonated with some people, at least like you go into graduate school and you might have some goal of like, I want to teach or I want to become a science communicator. And like, this is like the way that I can get to that. Some people, I, I know that there are a certain percentage of people that do that. A lot of people just want to go and be a professor, but like grad school kind of like brainwashes you in a way. <laughs> <laughs> that like research is the only thing and um and that became my goal and uh, i wanted to become a pi um 
And, and then I started to question that after a while, because I was like, oh, maybe that door is closing. Like things are not working in graduate school, but then like things actually started working. And I had published a paper in nature neuroscience, which, um, which to me, like I was, I felt very fortunate to have done that. And, um, but it also opened up opportunities so that I was like, okay, well, I can go on to become faculty at least as, you know, if the trajectory continues. Right. So, um, that's, that's what I wanted to do. Um, I went on to a postdoc. Um, it also, I came to, I, I decided I wanted to, part of, part of my, uh, one thing that was really important to me was living in a place that um, I had, had kids was, and in a family, I was living in a place where um, we wanted to be, you know, longer term. And so uh, I, I, was, I was also thinking at the time, like, I want to be in an in, in area that has like op- opportunities and options open for what I could potentially do if academia doesn't work out. And so that's why I came to San Diego um, as a postdoc is because there's great neuroscience um, and there were opportunities in the biotech industry, which I knew were interesting to me. And I, and I knew that like that could be something that I could want to do because I had some business background even before I went into grad school. Um, so uh, that was kind of the, um, the, that was kind of my thinking at the time. Um, I kept, you know, pushing on as a, as a postdoc. I had a, a project that actually really took off really quickly and it was uh, pretty exciting. Um, I was learning all these new techniques. I learned to code, um, in, in MATLAB and it built out some like, uh, um, pipelines for analysis and things. And, and I was having a great experience, but like one day I actually, I went, uh, I've, I've talked about this on my podcast, so maybe it's a little bit redundant, but uh, I went surfing one morning with a friend and and he was like, hey, have you ever thought about business like consulting? And I was like, no, not really. And, um, and, and he was like, well, you should look into it. They hire PhDs. And he's like, my cousin, uh, he works at BCG. Why don't you talk to him? And, um, and so he put me in touch with him and I just asked some questions. I was like, oh, this sounds kind of cool. And then I went to a, a, a case competition. So um, you know, a lot of consulting firms will hold these case competitions for PhD students that are interested in consulting. And uh, um, we did pretty well in it. Um, I think we got second place. And, and I realized, like, I actually really liked solving those business problems. Like, and then I realized, like, wait, this only took however many weeks. A consulting project, like, takes maybe a couple, like, it could take between four weeks to, I don't know, maybe at max a year, but usually about, like, couple months like I could solve important problems and that's what I really love doing like I could solve important problems on a faster time scale and and also like contribute in a way to society in a way that um maybe was a little bit more tangible than than the way I could contribute within research um I I had kind of discovered something in my PhD project that um really did have a lot of implications on the mental health field um in 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 terms of drug abuse and um, had learned the hard way that um, these things are complicated and like commercialization, those types of things are, are, are complicated. Not that I tried to commercialize it myself, but like that was part of the reason where I was like, well, if I go into business, then I can contribute in, in a way that like building, building out things that are commercially viable so that they can actually make a difference in the world rather than like, hypothetically making a difference if somebody is interested in my research and I just happen to kind of get lucky not to say that there's not value in that but like that was kind of my those were my drivers
you're touching on something important. Well, a few things, a lot, actually, <laughs> you know, one considering, like you said, the same of thinking about what's important to you and your, your life situation. So your family considerations, where you want to live. And as graduate students, like we kind of make that decision to a certain extent in choosing our grad program. But then this other idea of, okay, well, you may move on to do something slightly different, but you're still tackling, you know, a motivating factor for you just at a different and perhaps more tangible way. I think that's something too, that maybe as we like get more mature, our perspective on things changes and our perspective on like the way we can make an impact might change. And so it, I'm, it's interesting to hear that that was a motivating factor for you to consider it too. It was. And, and like, it was kind of surprising actually in a way, because um, I, when I, especially when I was in college, I never would have ever considered going into business. Um, it wasn't very, uh, it wasn't a big driver for me. Um, I, I, I tended to think that it was, a, um, you know, it was about greed and profit. And, and, I, and I realized like along the way that that's not really what business and industry is about necessarily. Like to me, the, the way that I think about it now is that you're just trying to provide value to, to people. And, and if you can provide something that's valuable to people that like makes their lives easier or like um, improves their health, then like, why shouldn't that be something that is profitable and, and helps people make a living? Like it's really important. That's how the, that's how the economy works. I think with a lot of sentiment these days, it's kind of maybe taken for granted is not the right term, uh, but misunderstood what the function of business is. Um, a lot of people want to make a huge difference and there are ways to do that in a personal, in a very, very personal uh, way. You know, um, as a physician, you can help someone out. Um, you can give your friend advice, um, help uh, individuals in other ways. But I think in order to help people at a massive scale, the only way to really do that is through a business. I, yeah, I, I tend to agree. I mean, like government does amazing things. Um, and, but, but it, it's uh, a lot more, um, it, it just takes more time and a lot more coordination, more committees. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, business, that, that's one of the great things about like startup companies is that um, if you have a good idea and you can move fast and, and you bring, get the right people on that know what to do and, um, and, and, and even if they don't know what to do, like can figure it out on the fly, then you can move so fast to build something that is like really valuable to the world. Um, and, and I think that's like the, the exciting part about working in, in business to me. So there are a few overlapping skills uh, between academic research and consulting, analytical thinking, problem solving. Um, but how did you develop and awareness of business strategies and in consulting is something that you have to do often solve a business problem that you've never heard before. How did you develop that instinct and that knowledge of business strategy? <laughs> That's a great question. It's, um, it, it's a little bit of an awkward process at first. Um, and so I, but I think that actually it's not so different from the way that I think about science and it's actually not really different at all. Um, I, I view science as the best method that we have ever come up with to solve problems. And uh, strategies, uh, like business strategy is just like, it, it's a, 
developing a plan to solve a, a problem, whether it's like an existing problem or a future problem. Um, and so the when when I think about like case interviews, so like when you think when people uh, go to into consulting, um, you have to do this whole case interview process and it's long and complex and and um, you are given a problem to solve and you have to solve it within a certain defined time period. Um, and you, you ask for data and you, you're like uh, calculating things on the fly. Um, the, there's a lot of different ways to solve those problems. And like, if you go into a business book or if you go to business school, like what you'll learn is that people use frameworks. Like how did, it, how did a business solve this in the past? And like, uh, it, there's all these like, you know, like famous stories of like businesses that came up against like similar like challenges and then you pull what they used and you kind of like fit it to to the way that like to this particular problem i don't think that's a very effective method of problem solving personally um i i think that the scientific method is is really what you do is like you you do the literature literature research you figure out what the ideas are that are out there like what's the con like first of all actually define the problem like what what are you trying to solve for and be very clear about that um then second is like like start brainstorming like what are possible solutions and and uh writing them down like putting just getting up to a chalkboard and or, or dry erase board or whatever <laughs> uh writing writing down some ideas and then doing some research it's like a literature research in science so like you're developing hypotheses right and then you start testing those hypotheses and you're like trying to like you're you're basically trying to falsify your pet hypothesis and and if you can like make if you can make it uh uh if you can find the holes in it then you can improve it or sometimes you just realize like this hypothesis doesn't work at all and i need to go after i need to go after maybe my second choice um but uh it's it's really a very similar process. So I don't think that the problem solving aspect is actually the hard part when people go into um, consulting from a PhD because it's uh, you've internalized this way of thinking throughout your PhD. Um, I think that the hard part is more around like the communication, um, the confidence. Sometimes people get like a little bit I don't know. They they lose confidence in a PhD program a lot of times. I did at least. Um, it's about um, understanding some of the terminology and just being able to have a conversation, like a casual conversation with people, in a way that like is mutually beneficial. Um, it's it's really a lot about the kind of soft skills that, um, for me, were the bigger challenge than than the actual problem solving. Yeah. What were there any tools you used to like sort of get your confidence, you know, not only coming out of grad school, but also, uh, you know, entering a new field where you're learning a whole new set of tools and not necessarily new problem solving skills, but, you know, you're with new people, it's challenging, it's fast paced. Like, were there any particular resources or techniques you found helpful? Yeah, um, let me think uh, off the top of my head, I, I like, I'll tell you the, the one actual, like if I'm gonna be very concrete here, um, if, if you're thinking about going into consulting and you want something that is like very helpful, it costs a little bit of money is like uh, Victor Chang. Um, he has, uh, he has a book called case interview secrets, I think is what it's called, but um, he has a series called look over my shoulder. 
And he basically interviews people, he does case interviews and like real time, he coaches them and, and like he'll pause when they say something and like say, Hey, here's, here's maybe what they should have said. Like, and, and uh, so what I did was um, there, there's like, I can't remember how many like episodes of this and, and you can, you can purchase it. Um, uh, and it was really incredibly helpful for me because what I did, what I ended up doing was like, I would listen to that as I was like patch clamping, like as I was um, doing experiments in the lab uh, so that I was still working in the daytime. Cause, cause I could do these experiments, you know, without even like, they were just mindless. I had, I'd gotten pretty good at it. So um, I would listen to that. Um, the biggest thing is just finding other people that are interested in doing what you want to do and, and start talking to them develop a relationship like um uh, start case uh, case interview with other people if you're looking to go into consulting and do a lot of it because like you get better and better if you're if you're finding good people that are also improving with you and so um it's about finding the you know the right people that you gel with but also like you know challenging yourself and and like i, I, I don't know like finding in some cases people that have done the job uh and and can provide you a little bit more like perspective about like what the job requires so that you can perform in these interviews i think that's incredibly helpful so high level question about consulting uh-huh. um so consulting is sometimes i've heard it being framed as an alternative to business school or going and get your mba um business schools they typically follow a case study method so by the end of business school, you've gone through hundreds and hundreds of cases um, and consulting's um, somewhat similar in that you'll take multiple assignments throughout your time there, um, sometimes from completely unrelated companies. So you're learning a lot on the fly. So what's the sentiment around that idea that consulting can be an alternative to business school? How true is that idea? And are there pros and cons to both that you don't get? in the other place? Um, so I would not recommend going to business school if you are, if you have already done a PhD. Uh, that's my personal perspective. Um, it, consulting was very valuable for me because it taught me a lot of just ways of communicating, ways of thinking about things that just didn't necessarily come naturally so like i say that like you can figure out the problem solving aspect like but there's so much more context behind business and you know understanding financials understanding like what people are talking about like jargon and terminology sometimes um the like things like lean methodology or like agile like what what people actually mean by like agile development like that 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 and i'm not going to explain it here because like um, it's a waste of time for me to do that, but, um, like you hear such stuff like that and it's like, oh yeah, sounds good. You know, they're developing software somehow and it's like fast, you know, it's agile, it's fast. Right. But like, like actually seeing like what that actually means and, um, how it's implemented and, and like how people manage projects with like tools and, and, uh, being able to get really good at building presentations and, and, uh, the biggest thing is communicating in a really concise way that like pulls people in and um and so those elements are the things that i learned in consulting uh and i'm not saying i'm like you know the best at them but um they were it was certainly a big learning period for me um 
I got pretty good at them. And, and it's been like transformative for my career. So uh, I would say, you know, if it's something that you're interested in going into, like it, it I feel like I learned an, a, as much or enough to say, look, I understand business really well and I don't need an MBA. Um, because I can, because anything I could have been, anything I could have learned in an MBA, I can figure out, right? Um, I know how to solve problems. So um, I think it's really valuable. I don't think it's the only path. Um, it's obviously very competitive and, and, and it could be challenging to get into it. So I don't want to like sugarcoat that because uh, I feel lucky to have, uh, have had, gotten the position at Boston Consulting Group. Um, but uh it's a great option if it's something that you want to go after. And I would say for the people that are considering it and are just like not sure they're they're concerned, maybe I won't get in. I felt that way too, like very clearly and like very tangibly at, at certain points. And I was like, I, I, I don't know if I'm even going to get into this. I, don't, I didn't think I was going to because I had had a couple of rejections before I even got an offer. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's not like worth going after because sometimes like in, especially in like consulting, the things that you learn through the process, if you're going and doing case interviews and if you're like communicating with people, those are actually skills that you will be able to utilize. If it, say you don't get into consulting and you like say, I want to go work for a startup, like you will have learned some really tangible um, uh, skills that will translate into those other things that you could go into. And even if you stay in academia, because uh, I, you know, I hate to break it to people like communication is actually really important in academia. And, and uh, there are a lot of, you know, great scientists that are not great communicators, but the majority of really well-known prominent scientists that I know are really good at communicating. So uh, Boston Consulting Group, BCG, it's a generalist firm. So it consults with a wide range of business sectors and biotech, tech, consumer goods, and so on. Um, working at BCG, um, at your time at BCG, did you have an option to take clients from a handful of sectors that you expressed preference for, or were you just given assignments uh, from any sector, truly a jack-of-all-trades generalist? Yeah, that's a great question. It can work differently at different firms. So um I'll, I'll give you the perspective from BCG. Uh, generally, they you're a generalist for a couple of years. Um, and they encourage you to work across uh, different different industries. So there's a couple different ways to cut it. There's different industries, uh, obviously biotech, uh, consumer goods, retail, whatever, uh, technology. Um, and then there's different functional areas within those industries. And so, you know, you might, one of them might be like just strategy is one of them, actually like business strategy. Another one, it could be like change management is maybe not the most exciting one. Um, another one, it could be, it, it, it could be different things that you do that like uh, apply across any industry. And so you can actually specialize in either one of those or or both if you wanna get super specialized um, as you go down your path in consulting. Initially though, um, at BCG, you're pretty pretty general and uh, it's kind of interesting that as you're, you get more and more um, experience within the firm, you, ha you start to have more latitude and, and to say, here are the things that I want to do. Um, or initially you're kind of assigned 
you know, because like you, you're learning the ropes. Um, you don't really know many people in the firm yet. And so um, you, as, as, as you start to learn, you, um, you get, start to get a reputation and, uh, and then you start to meet people and you're networking within the firm. So it's like, it's kind of funny because it's like a job market within a job because you're working on a consulting project for a certain period of time and then you're getting ready to go off that consulting project and you're what they call on the beach um which the beach is is basically you're just you're you're in between um these big projects and maybe you're doing some stuff to help like do sales pitches for other projects to build powerpoint decks or whatever but um you have to kind of start networking and um and and doing research about these different opportunities and uh so the longer you are in the firm the more ability you have to be able to say hey here here are the things that that i would like to do and then you start to meet people and i think the best way like uh, and actually i think this is just good career advice in general is um i tend to think that it's better to um to optimize you can optimize on three things essentially like an industry a functional uh practice or like the thing within the industry or people and my personal philosophy is it's always best to optimize on people because um you want to work with people that are like going to support you and are going to like be your cheerleaders and this is like if you're this is even if you're picking a phd advisor like why go for the big famous person if they're not going to help you along the way um but sometimes that big famous person will help you. So like I, uh, my strategy was within BCG was to focus more on like, who did I want to work with? And I think that um, that's tends to be what a lot of people do. So, but then you start to, you know, specialize as you go further and further. And um, I though was not there, you know, long enough to really specialize in any given industry. So um, I, 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 I focused more kind of broadly across industries, but, you know, some focus on tech. So what made you want to transition to your current position um, and your current company really at Illumina back in San Diego? Yeah, this is actually funny too. Um, this is adding on another layer of complexity here is uh, <laughs> when I thought about um, when my, when I told you that story about my friend kind of telling me, um, about consulting, we were, uh, we were surfing and, and I had already been thinking about some, you know, business ideas and, and opportunities, um, and volunteering for some different things. And, um, I initially was thinking, I just really wanted to live in San Diego <laughs> and, uh, um, and I wasn't sure that I was going to have that. I didn't, I, I knew that there was, it was probably unlikely that within academia, I was going to have that geographic flexibility to be able to say, I, uh, I, here's where I want to live. You know, you basically you get a job and you go to that place where you get a job. Um, so I w- originally was thinking like, okay, maybe like the biotech industry. And then I started realizing, well, I wasn't entirely sure that the skills that I had learned as a scientist in uh, in academia were going to be entirely transferable uh, to industry as a research scientist, and um, and also like I wanted to solve the bigger problems. I want I was interested in like the big 
you know, strategy, the big like, kind of opportunity problems. And so I, so going to BCG actually was part of a longer game for me, which was to come back to San Diego and work in the biotech industry. Um, and, and in general, just to work in the biotech industry for kind of from the business side, but utilizing the scientific uh, expertise and skills that I had gained throughout my PhD. Um, so it was kind of a little bit premeditated before I went into BCG. And, um, and when I had the opportunity to, to come to San Diego, um, I had actually already been thinking Illumina even before I went there, to be honest with you. Um, and when the opportunity arose, uh, I realized it was you know, too, too good to pass up. So maybe pre-COVID question, but uh, what is a typical day in your new role you said as a global sales? Um, what does a typical day look like for you? Uh, it, it varies a lot. So um, it's actually, you know, pre-COVID, post-COVID, it's, it's different, you know, not being um, around other people to have like everyday, you know, office interactions, which, um, you know, it's, it's challenging because like ideas and, and, and uh, opportunities arise when you're around other people. So um, that's like the biggest difference, but like most of what I do actually can be done remotely. Uh, so I work out of my garage and, um, but a typical day, you know, if I were going into the office, um, I will kind of go in around uh, eight uh, and basically catch up on some emails and, and make sure that like, if there's any outstanding issues, I will um, address them as quickly as possible. And then I'll start, um, sometimes I'll do this at the end of the day, but sometimes I'll do this at the very beginning of the day, which is like make a to-do list of like all the things that I need to get done in that day. And, and I'm also kind of like tracking that at a weekly level. And, um, and that will include like the small things and the big things. And then I'll just like, you know, get excited and start like, you know, checking them off, like shooting off, shooting off emails. I'll, I'll have meetings that have already been set up to, um, for example, if I'm building a tool, I, ha I will, um, Illumina is a really big global business. And so we have um, regions uh, within, and that, like, so, so there are regional, like ba basically businesses within the business. And then there's a global overarching uh, organization that helps coordinate things. And so I work in that global kind of overarching role. So I'll um, work with people in uh, Singapore or in China or uh, uh, here in, in the States and basically figure out like what are the needs like what um what can we do to help optimize and you know especially within a given project really kind of figuring out uh what should we be building and doing to improve uh, and make things a little bit more efficient for example for our sales um uh, people and then start designing and, and building out ideas and and so it's um communicating that with leadership, with stakeholders within the, the organization and testing it to make sure that like everybody is on the same page. And so it's going, so it's like build, it's like getting the input, like building out a concept, going back out, farming it out and like refining it. And it's still that same like scientific process, which is um, kind of getting closer and closer to a solution. And then we build something. Uh, I've, you know, built out like software tools, um, I, right now, I, I, I've you know kind of managed like vendor relationships, so, so companies that that uh, help us to to build 
uh, things with our infrastructure. And so I'll, I'll manage kind of the situate, the, you know, the, the build with them. Um, that's kind of a description of like the day to day. And then, um, you know, it's one of the great things about working in, in industry is that, um, well, I, I'm saying this as opposed to like consulting, working with a given company is that you get to know um, how the business works. You get to know people within the organization really well, and you um, get to really contribute and build things as opposed to like just building the idea of things. And that's one of the things I really like about working at um, uh, a, not just a biotech firm, but like working at a company uh, as opposed to just, you know, as opposed to consulting with a company. Are the people you work with typically like THD scientists? Do they come from like a similar background? You know, it, it's funny as a, you know, someone also in neuroscience, you don't typically think like this is a career that would be open for me unless you're actively working with like sequencing technology. So I'm just wondering what, what are the backgrounds of the people you work with? Yeah, they're kind of all over the place. Um, a lot of people have some, most people have some sort of biology background, I would say, um, because our business is not, sequencing is not an easy thing to understand necessarily. And, um, and the instruments can, you know, it can be complicated. The, the, the industry is, is evolving and, and developing. Um, and so a lot of people have some sort of biology background. Not everyone does. Um, they may have like functional expertise, like I was saying before, which is like, they're really, they, they've gained expertise in some um, thing that is really important to the business. And so they could come from another industry. Um, there are uh, a lot of PhDs, um, particularly at, at Illumina. Um, and so that's when, you know, I, I actually really like, uh, like it when I work with other PhDs, cause it's like, you know, you have this kind of shared experience. Um, but that re it really depends on the role. And so obviously like in the research, uh, R and D side, there's going to be a ton of PhDs. Um, there's a lot in like the like uh, leadership positions, um, like our, our, our chief commercial officer is a, is a PhD. Um, our, a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, business development type types of roles are, are PhDs because it really has, it really helps to understand that broader perspective of, um, what opportunities are out there. And like, um, even though I don't have a genomics, uh, PhD, like I took genetics and I actually, I TA genetics in college. And so like, I, I, I can understand it and I can kind of like translate it in a way in my head. And that is really helpful in the biotech industry. So I think it's, it's incredibly helpful. Not everyone has a biology or definitely not a PhD background. Um, but, uh, it, it is an asset if you do. So in addition to your roles at Illumina, you're actually a showrunner. You have a podcast, Once a Scientist podcast. So what is that podcast about? What's the main thrust and how did you decide that you want to start? Yeah, um, it's, it kind of, when I finished it, it, when I left BCG, I was coaching some people to get into consulting and um, it was exactly what I was talking about before, which is I could coach people on the mechanics and um, they were, I, I felt like I was, you know, I'd, I'd helped several people land jobs in consulting firms. And I felt that very, I, I, it was very rewarding to me just to see somebody's confidence level change and like how excited they would be when they found like what they were going to do for the next 
however, maybe the rest of their career, like that was really rewarding to me. And then I, as, as I started doing it more, I started to realize that the, the biggest challenge was less around coaching uh, on the mechanics. It was more around like, is this, is this really the right thing for this person? And, um, and for me, like, I didn't know all the opportunities and the options that were out there, even when I went into consulting. And so I looked around and, you know, and I had looked around at the time and I didn't find really great consolidated resources. And, and honestly, like they're probably out there and I, and I, and I know of more and more, uh, people that are focusing on this problem, especially now that I am. Um, and so, you know, maybe we can talk another time and we, or, I, or I give you a list of like resources that people could use, but I didn't find those um, when I was thinking about it. And, and I didn't, and I didn't know if they were out there. And so it was an opportunity for me to meet new people uh, in the podcast and, and then figure out like what their trajectories were, like what, what's the backstory and like, you know, in an honest way where as you guys can tell, like, I'm like, not, I, I, I'm trying to, I try to be as honest as possible because if I'm not honest, it's not helpful. Like it just sounds like some, you know, platitudes. Um, and so it was a way to encourage people to share their experiences and, and to talk about difficult issues that sometimes we don't really address within academia. Um, so that was kind of the driving motivation. And it, you know, it's also like in, in a, I guess in a, in a very selfish way, like it's a, an opportunity for me to meet really cool people. Have you had a particular interview that stood out in your mind just from a kind of, wow, I wasn't expecting this perspective or, you know, you really felt like you learned something that you would, you know, really want to highlight? There's so many. Oh yeah. my goodness. They're I, all so, good. I mean, I've listened to a bunch. <laughs> like they're really, really good. Oh, I, so I don't, this is going to be hard for me to call out specific people. <laughs> Um, but like, I'm just thinking of some recent ones, um, Erin Calipari, she's a, she was, she's an assistant professor at Vanderbilt and she, um, is just really, she is very, I don't know, she, she has a model that she's built in her lab, which is really help people from a very early stage, figure out what their interests are. And, and I just love like how she talked about, um, mentoring people and like she, she the, one of the first things that she does with them is like she'll work with on like building a grant with them or writing a grant and uh and that makes them kind of organize their thoughts like get some writing skills and like even before they can go in and do any lab work and um and then she talks about like how that helps kind of grease the wheels in the future for whatever else they want to do. And, and, and she's not stuck to this academic model of her trainees have to become professors. And I, and I think that that is so valuable. And I think that if we can facilitate one of the things that, you know, I, that really stood out to me with this podcast episode was if we can really facilitate whatever it is that people want to do as they leave science, um, like how much more can you change the world than like helping really smart people achieve important things. Um, that's one episode. Mike Fenn was a really interesting one at Harvard Innovation Labs. Um, uh, Kay Tai, uh, professor at, at Salk Institute um, was awesome. Um, Chanel Matney, a science policy uh, consultant. Um, she has this incredible story about why she went into policy um, because 
uh, of a of the Freddie Gray um, killings in in Baltimore. The Freddie when Freddie Gray was was murdered in Baltimore, and uh, how that impacted her as as a person of color, and um, so that was incredibly inspiring to me. I, I think. Uh, I'm just really grateful to have like such cool and interesting guests uh, across the board. Maybe a little bit of trivia. Why, why the title? Is it once a scientist, always a scientist? Yeah. Yeah. You get yeah. It. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know if people would get it or not, but. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nick, for you know sharing your story about your career path and also for talking about your podcast, uh, Once a Scientist. And we really enjoyed talking with you today. No, this has been a huge pleasure for me. And I think, uh, you know, it's really inspirational to see what you guys are doing, um, you know, the, at this stage in your career. And, and like, I think that, let me say just one last thing. Uh, if you're a PhD student or postdoc and you're listening to this, realize that, like, these types of opportunities, like built, starting a podcast, like a Johns Hopkins biotech podcast, like there can be nothing more valuable for your career uh, because you start to meet people and, and network. And so, you know, just building something and, and making something that's useful for people. Um, if, if you're looking to transition to uh, a different field or if you're looking to even stay within academia, like the more you can help people and, and do something that stands out, uh, it, it's so useful. So uh, appreciate what you guys are doing. Thanks. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget to follow Hopkins Biotech Podcast on social media at Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter for updates about upcoming guests. And please visit us at hopkinsbiotechpodcast.com to check out our mission and full catalog of episodes. I'm Janet Glatzer. And I'm Roshan Chikramane. Thank you for listening.